pops a cork in five, four, three, two. So I'm in the car with my sister, and she notices that the name of the artist and the song is on my radio. And I go, yeah, that's HD radio. Check this out. There's a second and third version of WMMS here in Cleveland, and we're listening to it. And on HD radio, they did kind of play a rare and obscure song that normally you wouldn't hear. And then you know what came on? That's right. A commercial with a female voiceover explaining the great things about HD radio. And hey, look, the name of the artist and the name of the song are on the radio. Isn't that cool? And then you know what they followed that up with? You guessed it. Another commercial for HD radio, this time with a voiceover guy going, hey, isn't it cool how the name of the artist and the name of the song is on your radio? Go to HDRadio.com, the future of radio. No subscription fees are needed because they're going, they're, they're feeling threatened by satellite radio. Then you know what they followed that up with? You guessed it. They went back to a voiceover that was a female saying, hey, isn't it cool how you can see the name of the artist and the name of the song? It's HD radio with no subscription fees. And even my sister's like, what the heck? Because here's the thing. The only way you could hear this station is if you're listening on, you guessed it, an HD radio. You're advertising to somebody who already has your stuff. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Now, what does this have to do with podcasting, Dave? I run into people and they go, I don't know, Dave. I don't know if, if people would actually listen to me. You know, I don't know if I'm, I'm that entertaining. You've got to be more entertaining than three commercials advertising the same thing to obviously a bunch of people who have no clue who their audience is or how this works. Yes, you can do this. You can be just as powerful as mainstream media because apparently mainstream media doesn't know what they're doing. So today we're going to talk about that, being in the media. We're going to talk a little Journalism 101 with Emily Prokop from the Story Behind podcast. Episode number 556. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your very own personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so very much. You know, I say that every week. I thank you so very much. I really mean thank you very much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, where you been? Here's what we do. I take my 20 plus years of helping people understand technology and I help you massage your message. I help you tackle that technology, face your fears and flatten that learning curve and get you not on the road to podcasting, Getting on the road to podcasting in a way that is going to successfully impact your audience. Podcasting done right. Our website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code, that's right, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, better known as listener, when you sign up. And you can use that on a single course or on a monthly or yearly membership. Now, here's some homework for you. If you missed uh, last week, every month now I do an episode that is primarily based on your feedback. We ask kind of a polling question, things like that. So this month we're calling it the Dave Jackson two question challenge. The first question is easy. The second challenge is awkward. And I want to thank Lee Silverstein from the colon cancer podcast.com. I'm basically stealing your idea, Lee. And that is number one, what do you like about this show? And I'm not just doing this so you can go, oh, Dave, I think you're great, Dave. Oh, Gersh. No, I want to know what am I doing right so I can keep doing that. I'm not looking for a giant ego stroke. So lest you think, wow, this guy is really full of himself. And then the second one, and this is the fun one. I want you to pretend that somebody asked you about the school of podcasting and I'm not in the room. And then if there's anything you wish I would do differently, Please say it there. Now, I'm asking for this. So if you're like, ah, I don't want to hurt your feelings, I'm asking for it. I have thick skin. 
I can handle this. And I want to look and see what are the things that maybe I could be doing better. And then if it still fits the show, maybe I'll tweak some stuff. Now, when you send this in, you can record it. I just record an MP3 file and email it to Dave at schoolofpodcasting.com. In the title, put please, please, please put 559. That's all I need. 559. Now, if you want to call it in, it's 888-563-3228. And then I'll label it 559. You can also use the speak pipe button out at the website. And I will again categorize this as 559 because that's the episode that that's going to appear at. And if you go, Dave, you just gave me like 500 different options. Yes, I did. An easy way to do this is just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact, and you can see all the different ways. Now, also, be sure to mention your show and a little bit about it and where we can find it, because I want to help promote you because you're helping me, so I want to help you. So again, if you send me an email or anything like that, be sure to tag it with 559 so I don't lose it. Thank you so much in advance. And I don't want to do this in the middle of the interview with Emily, so I'm going to do this now. I have mentioned in the past that at the School of Podcasting, I do live group coaching twice a month, along with all the tutorials, along with the priority email support, and along with the private Facebook group. And I can tell you how great it is, and I can tell you how I'm going to save you time and flatten the learning curve, but it sounds so much better when it comes from someone not named Dave Jackson. So this is a clip from a uh, Zoom group meeting that we had, and uh, well, I'll just let you, uh, I'll let the words speak for themselves. But I hit, I think, most of the stuff that I thought you know, the average Joe show, Joe Schmo podcaster would use. Cause I know I just added one a while back for splitting a stereo track. That was pretty yes, cool. That was wonderful. That yeah. was one of the things that I figured I was going to have to struggle to learn. And there it was, I have to say, I'm sure that you've cut hundreds of hours off my learning curve. So you have truly flattened my learning curve there. Well, that's the plan. Cause well, I watched, I watched all the, vi- if you go over to their website, they have a ton of videos. And I was like, Good, 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 good. Oh, this one's useful, you know, because yeah. they have a lot of stuff about audiobooks and mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, I just need the stuff that podcasters need to, to play with. So if you've ever thought about starting a podcast, and you're like, look, I just need somebody to go, here's what you need to do. Do this, do this, do this, do that. I'm your guy. Use the coupon code listener and that will save you on your fee to enter. Again, whether that's a single course or maybe you just want to go buy that Hindenburg Journalist course, you could do that. Or you can sign up for a monthly membership and I'm going to save you time. And more importantly, I'm going to help you go in the right direction. Next week, we're going to talk about some new technology that's kind of on the horizon that I'm playing with. And it's not very good in some way. So we'll be talking about that next week. All right. Well, joining me to talk a little journalism today, uh, you can find her podcast over at the story behind podcast.com. And uh, Emily Prokop, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. The Dave Jackson. <laughs> I still don't know what that means. Well, I want to start off with this. I mean, I play, which is cool. Nobody can see this, but uh, your husband is a musician. So I'm sure you, you get to see a lot of uh, music. And so as a musician, I can go out and look at a band and know almost instantly if it's not very good. Um, as a person, as a musician, I've seen my my share of really bad uh, best man speeches and, you know, uh, bridesmaids kind of doing speeches at weddings. And I've seen things at, at different events that I've gone to. Is there anything that you can think of that you go, oh, man, you just spot it right away of like, that is bad journalism? <laughs> yeah, the big thing is seeing a headline with hyperboles in it 
or, you know, the clickbait headlines. That's, you know, 12 things you'll never believe came from oatmeal and number 12 blew my mind. You know, something like that where they're going over the top to try and get you to click through something that may or may not even be newsworthy. It's like, look at this. They make strawberries and oatmeal now. Like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) How to turn dog poop into gold to use the old Steve Martin line. It's like, yes. Exactly. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your history with, uh, with journalism. You have a background in that. Yeah, I was a journalism major in college and I graduated in 2006 and worked on local newspapers and I worked at WWE Magazine as a fact checker of all things, but there were facts to check. (laughs) And now I work as a puzzle editor for Crossword Variety and WordSeek books. Nice. And that, what are you looking for, like naughty words in the... the... Yep, (laughs) pretty much. If if there is a grid of random letters, you better believe that I'm looking for the not so nice ones that people do find and they (laughs) they send to us. Yeah. And um, yeah. And also for the crossword clues, I have to make sure they're all up to date. Make sure there's uh, nobody that we don't want to mention as a clue who used to be okay, but is now not quite okay. So, so like, give give us an example of who that would be. The big one is Bill Cosby ah. because he's used in a lot of different yeah. crossword puzzles. Because Bill is a common name, and it's it's easy enough to change a clue for that. But Cosby, if it's a crossword answer, you kind of have to look at it and be like, "Well, I can't really change this to anything." Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, um, when you were going to to college, what were like what were your typical kind of classes? So I did a lot of writing and it was, um, I kind of followed the writing and editing track, but I was required to take a broadcast journalism course. So that actually came back, you know, it surprised me when I started a podcast, I was using those skills that I learned that I never thought I would. I mean, I learned mic technique. I learned that my S's whistle in that class and I kind of have to have the pop filter and the windscreen and hold it at an angle so that I don't hear it as much. And we also learned audio editing. So I was pretty familiar with Audacity once I opened it up. I don't even know if that was what we used at the time, but it was like, oh, highlight, copy, paste, delete. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, nothing too crazy. Once you kind of learn one, you've kind of learned them all. It's just a matter of this is called this in one and over here it's called that. It's like back in the day, I used to know WordPerfect and Microsoft Word and it was the same program with different (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, my husband uses Reaper and it's just all the stuff in there. He's like, oh, you should try Reaper for your podcast. I'm like, no, you do way too much because he's editing music. He needs more of those things than I do. What goes into, I guess, a good story? Is Is there a formula for that? There is. So one of the first things you learn in journalism is how to tell a story and including the five, the basic five W's and one H, the who, what, when where, why, and how. And that's kind of the easy part. But what took school and years of practice is to actually learn to tell a story that people want to read. So one of the first things you'll learn and one of the first things you'll see in journalism is what's called the lead. And people have probably heard, don't bury the lead. And that's considered the first paragraph or two of a story. And it hooks your readers or in in a podcast, it would hook your listeners in Because no one wants to hear about a budget meeting that starts with the annual town budget meeting was held at town hall on Tuesday, January 5th at 6 p.m. You know, (laughs) all members were present. So you want to hook somebody in. You know, they're not going to be hooked in with that. 
So then you come in and you say at the town meeting, we voted to, you know, whatever the, the thing was that's going to catch people like, wait a minute, they, they outlawed chocolate? You can't do that. Yeah, exactly. That's what you want to start with. And you can somehow weave those other details into it so people know this happened last night. Uh, everybody was present. These were people's reactions. And one of the first things you'll learn in journalism also is what's called the inverted pyramid. And if you apply that to a story you're writing, or in this case, a, a podcast you're recording or listening to, the top of the pyramid is where the most important facts go. So this is where you'll have your most engaged readers or listeners, and you'll want to put this at the very beginning. And from there, the information kind of goes in reverse order of importance. So when you're reading a newspaper, there's a drop-off rate in reading. People usually, they'll read down maybe four or five paragraphs. and writers need to know that's where you put your most important stuff. And also when copy editors are putting those stories into the paper, they're going to cut stories if they're too long and they're going to cut from the bottom up. Interesting. So it's, it is kind of a way of, um, I always think of the news, right? They always go, our top news tonight. You're not going to start a news program with, well, there was a fiery crash that killed three people on the highway. But first, you know, let's look at the local shelter. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Any other uh, fun-filled journalism kind of 101 stuff that people should think about maybe that would apply to a podcast? Look at your intro. Mm. And a lot of people will complain, you know, I like intros where people talk about their lives and you get kind of into it. But then there are other people who will say, I don't like skipping 10 minutes to get to the meat of it. So when people do say... Today, we're going to talk about this and this and this. But first, you know, if you give people an order for how it's going to play out, people, it's easier for people to go to it. And in apps like Overcast, you can put the timestamps in there. That's really helpful. Mm -hmm. You can't do that in a newspaper. People kind of have to skim <laughs> and hopefully just put the most important stuff at the top. Well, that's where I know even for maybe show notes, I always try to have like my, you have your the title of your post, but then I always have kind of sub headlines to show. If, I, if for me, I have multiple topics in an episode, so I always have headlines because I learned when I was writing my book that nobody reads; <laughs> they skim yep. first. Yep. So if you have headlines to kind of draw people's attention, okay, now that I have their eyeball in the middle, they might actually read the stuff in the middle of a uh, a post where you know they just. I was just surprised that people just don't read; they skim first. Yeah, and that's honestly why show notes written as outlines with bullet points are more informative. People get more out of them because they're seeing these short little segments. I mean, if you look at newspaper paragraphs, they're two or three sentences at the most because they know that people need that kind of spacing between information thrown at them. They can't just have a block of text because right. no one's going to read that. <laughs> Got to break it up. Well, I like the idea of, I mean, I, I try to explain what's going to be in the show. You know, I do my little teaser and then I do that. And I know um, Eric K. Johnson from Podcast Talent Coach talks about, you know, most people are not going to get on a bus if they don't know where they're going. So I like that idea of kind of giving people at least an idea of where they're going as opposed to, hey, it's just, you know, two dudes and a microphone. We're just going to pop some cold ones and who knows what's yeah. going to happen. Oh, that's another thing is headlines. And you've talked about this before, but the two dudes with the microphone that reminded me of this is 
sometimes when you look at podcast titles, it'll be an inside joke from maybe the episode and you won't know what they're talking about until you listen to that episode. And it's usually, you know, the two guys with a mic and, mm. you know, not to stereotype, right. but a lot of comedy podcasts, I, I have to like them already to be interested in their next show, not seeing a one word or three word phrase that I'm like, you know, I, I don't understand what this cats with lasers thing refers to unless it's, you know, the cats with lasers podcast. But if they just put that as the title of an episode, I'm going to be like, oh, this must be an inside joke. Uh, do I really have the energy right. to go into it and read it? So I would say with headlines, keep it short, but also keep the key words that you're talking about in it. Yeah. And if you can put a verb just to, I don't know, just to make it look more like a sentence, at least that's that's headline writing. That's not necessarily podcast title headline writing, but. So we need a verb is what you're saying. I would, I like verbs. I mean, and I don't necessarily do it on my show because I talk about just random topics, mm -hmm. but I like shows where it's like, here's what we're doing. You know, we're exploring this topic. Okay, great. I know that this is going to be an informational podcast or we're talking tech. It's like, okay, good. This is going to be a podcast where we get down and dirty about technology. Before we get into the story behind podcasts, I want to back up just a little bit. Because you've got some insights not only into journalism, but you did a show called Classy Little Podcast. And I don't want to throw people under the bus, but I get the distinct feeling that did not end well. Is that a safe assumption? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's fine now. My co-host and I are fine now, but okay. we did have a falling out over. It wasn't even the podcast. It was more on the personal side. Okay. And we also weren't talking about, you know, I didn't listen to your advice about putting everything on the table and putting forth expectations before doing a podcast with a friend. And it's almost just like, oh, friends and podcasts don't mix. But it, it can as long as you know you have that awkward 10-minute conversation where you're like, here's what I expect from you. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to pay for. And if people have those conversations, you won't have a problem. You You can go back and look at you know, if you draft up an outline or draft up something right. just to say, this is what you agreed to. Uh, so there you go. So from somebody who's lived through it, go through the house, especially if it's a family member or a friend like this. That's why I have people like, oh, it's my sister. I'm like, no, go through that anyway, especially if it's a family member, because otherwise Thanksgiving gets really weird. Yeah. Awesome. Even if you think you're just sitting around a microphone, having fun, you know, mm. opening some beers and talking there's never going to be equal power in a podcast. There's always going to be somebody putting it up, learning about RSS, editing, you know, doing that sort of stuff. If you can split it evenly enough yeah. and everything's agreed upon, you'll have no problem. And if you don't, oops. Yeah. <laughs> what was your first podcast that you listened to? Do you remember back that far? Yeah, it was actually, it was Good Job Brain. Uh, it's a trivia show, very similar to what I was trying to do with Classy Little Podcast, where they would pick a topic every week and they would find out the interesting facts behind it and some cool stories and talk about it. And that actually came about because I had I had gotten a divorce and I moved into a new place and I didn't have cable, but I had my phone and the podcast app had just come on. And I was like, well, let me see what this does. And I click on it. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, there are just, there's so many, you know, I didn't know at the time how many there are now, (laughs) but there were just so many. And I think one of, I looked up education and I was like, well, maybe I'll learn something that'll get my mind off the divorce and everything. And I pressed play and I loved it. I instantly fell in love with it. And it was awesome because it distracted me from the divorce. It got my mind on something else. Mm -hmm. Uh, I learned how to binge listen. I put it on in the car on the way to work, on the way back from work, you know, unpacking. And I've, I've said this to them before and left it in their review. I'm like, you know, you guys really got me through that divorce. You're having fun and putting something out there. You have no idea how much your podcast meant to me. All right. I just want to pop in here again, showing you that you can have a positive impact on your audience. I mean, that you're, you're helping people who've had really bad days or have had bad events or whatever it is, you can have a positive impact on your audience, just like these people did with Emily. Well, tell us, how do you describe your new show, The Story Behind? So this one is a shorter format. It's just me. I decided to go solo with doing what I was doing for the Classy Little Podcast. And in every episode, I pick an everyday object, mostly, or person or place. And I find out the history of it. So I will, you know, first place I go is Google. (laughs) And then I'll get news articles about it. I'll look in old books, look on history.com. Mental Floss is a really great place that I love going to find out the origin stories of things and how they're invented. And you know, what's funny is these things that I just have the idea, oh, I wonder where that came from. It's never a straightforward story. It's never guy invented it, got rich. That's it. There's always some sort of, well, it wouldn't have been discovered unless this happened. And then unless this happened and, you know, you come to find out as unfortunate as wars are, it's actually kind of a catalyst for a lot of things to be invented because it's like, well, for this war, we need this and this and this and this and this. And things that we take for granted every day came from maybe World War II or finding a solution for a problem that maybe we didn't even know existed until a catastrophe or something like that. Right. Excellent. Are there any sources that people should stay away from? Yeah. Um, one of my big gripes about the informational podcast is sometimes you can tell when people are reading directly from Wikipedia Ah. and Wikipedia is fine as a jumping off point for research. It's absolutely fine. Sometimes I'll go there if I think I have everything on a subject just to see if there's anything else big that I missed or overlooked in something. And at the bottom of the page, there are the sources for me to get that information. Right. But if you're looking up something, go to the official page first. So I'm not going to do a podcast on Dr. Pepper and not go to drpepper.com. You know, look for websites that cite their sources like Snopes.com is a really good one to see if something is true or false. It's good even if you're reading the news and you see something that might be a little off. Snopes.com is a good kind of, you know, they're, they don't play politics. They're like, mm, you know, here's. Here's the facts. Here's what actually happened. Here are our sources for it. And another tip, do you remember taking true or false tests in school and kind of learning the trick of, well, if they use always or never in the questions, it's probably false. You know, it's not true because you can't always say always or never. 
I always love the fact that they say there are no absolutes. I'm like, do you, you do realize that that is an absolute? You're saying that there are no absolutes. I'm like, that's confusing. But yeah. Yeah. One of the big things is if you're citing studies and polls, Mm -hmm. look at the source of those. Don't just pick a statistic out of a, out of a news article because you never know how they can, people can skew numbers all the time. And they do. One of the stories we learned in journalism in school was, did you ever hear the study of how cranberry juice either prevents or treats symptoms of a UTI? I've heard, I might've heard that now I think about it. Yeah, it's supposed to treat the symptoms of a UTI. Yeah. And the original study, though, was sponsored by Ocean Spray. Ah. Yeah, not many people know that. And it's actually, it's been debunked by scientists who are like, well, that doesn't sound right. I mean, if you're just giving someone a lot of liquids when they have a UTI, yeah, that's going to help them. But we we can't find anything in cranberries that necessarily does that, especially ocean spray where it's mm-hmm. 32% juice, something like that. Nice. <laughs> to relate that to podcasting, people look at new and noteworthy and right. they see these podcasts with all these reviews and in their head, they make the connection that, oh, it must take a lot of reviews to get into new and noteworthy. And it's like, mm, no. no, not no. so much. <laughs> Can you think of any stories over the years that have been like just professed as true that in the end, nobody did their due diligence and went, no, that's not really, I mean, that's kind of one, the, the cranberry one you're talking about. Well, it's funny. Cause that's, that's what I run into my podcast with. Like you were saying uh, before we were recording, you were talking about the Mount Rushmore episode mm-hmm. and the big story that was passed around was there was a mountain. It had no name. And a guy was like, well, what's the name of that mountain? And a local guy was like, well, let's call it Rushmore for you. Why not? So when I read that article, I happened to scroll down and see the comments. And one of the comments was from somebody from South Dakota saying, you know, it actually did have a name from the Sioux Indians. Mm. And so I had to go and find research about that, which was, you know, it it wasn't, I don't even know if it was in Wikipedia, Mm. but it was in South Dakota journals and newspapers from there. So surprise. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was cool to add it to the story. I think I added maybe a minute or two more, but it's great to have not just one perspective on a story and get kind of the whole thing. How do you decide like what's, cause there's so many things that you can, little stories behind. Is it just things that catch your eye or, or are you getting, are your is your audience going? Hey, can you tell me the story behind you know um, cheese whiz? <laughs> I've had a few of those, I, and I put them. I have a bullet journal, and I have one page specifically for ideas that pop into my head. Because of course they pop into my head when I'm in the shower, of course. when I'm working, you know. And I'm like, okay, I just have to remember this, and I'll tell my phone to remind me. I'll tell our Google Home to remind me, <laughs> you know. Oh, look up this. So. That I have a list going and I've started to do more series. So that actually organizes me more as if I'm like, okay, you know, I'm in this series now. It's March. I'm doing it on luck and superstitions. So I can just focus on that. It's not, oh, what random thing am I going to look around the room and decide to find out the history about? But I do have a lot of <laughs> a lot of ideas that just come to me. How do you know? Because your your episodes are short. Are Is that something where... 
is there a lot of stuff going on the cutting room floor that you go, nope, I said 10 minutes, or is it just you research enough to get 10 minutes? I research enough to get a story. If I had all the time, if I didn't have a full-time job and a family, you know, I would love to do a long, in-depth, not to say Dan Carlin like thinks, oh my God, I, I have no idea how much work he puts into that. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have the time to do that at all. But you know, it helps having ADD too, where I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. I've, <laughs> I've learned all I want to know. You know, I kind of do want to be that jack of all trades, master of none with just useless knowledge. You know, I don't want to be an expert on potato chips, but I can tell you the origin stories right. behind it. Because <laughs> now I'm as I'm digging through your back catalog, some of these now you're having other podcasters or people do kind of, they're like playing a part of somebody. Yeah. Is that's a cool thing, but how much is that adding to like your production? Like is that adding I would think just on one hand it's cool cuz you're asking podcasters so you shouldn't be getting audio that needs too much cleanup. Exactly. But on the other hand, they're scheduling and Joe Schmo said they would play the part of Abraham Lincoln and that was a week ago and you're still waiting for the file. Is that is it becoming more of a headache or how, how does that um, how do you pull that off? I'm usually a week ahead as far as episodes. And um, when I research ahead of time, usually I can pull out quotes that I want to throw in there. So it's easy enough to tell someone, hey, you know, I would like you to do a quote for me. If you could, I would need it by this date. I usually give them a week if I can. And then it's for a future episode. And I'll let them know when the episode is. And there have been some times where if you're friends with enough podcasters, you know when they record. So if you need something last minute, like I know my friends record on Sundays, which is when I usually record. So if I need something last minute, I'll text them and say, hey, can you do this? Or, you know, my husband who podcast uh, a while back, I'll bring him downstairs and say, get on the mic, just say this for me. <laughs> <laughs> but when you know enough podcasters, you know enough people who have no problem getting behind the mic, pressing record, for a 10 second, five second audio clip and sending it over, you know, they know they don't have to do anything to it. Are there any, if somebody wanted to dig a little deeper into like how to tell a story and journalism and things like that, are there any resources that you look at and go, Hmm, I, you might want to start here or any books that people might want to look into for journalism. Yeah. Gen I don't know. That's the thing. Like it was mostly, it was mostly practice. We mm. wrote at least a thousand word paper every week and we'd get it back with red marks all over it. So you kind of learn <laughs> those tricks about you don't say I, you don't say you, you know, you, you don't say sources say you, <laughs> you don't put forth a fact without saying where this fact is coming from because as a reporter you can't be that source you can't be the number one person to say well the sky is blue as a reporter you're supposed to step back and say according to this scientific manual the sky is blue so that you're not the one people are going to come to they're going to go to that scientific journal if they want to learn more about it which is partially why at the end of my show I'll say things like information for this episode came from this, 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 and this, so that I'm not looked at as this expert on all things because I'm not. Absolutely. I just know how to research. Well, I love that idea. And I think uh, as podcasters, I think we forget to do that where 
I will do all the research and I'll look at this and I'll, you know, and I won't say that because of this, I'll just say SoundCloud is crap. And then I'm not <laughs> stating, well, based on their latest financials, they lost another $51 million last year. That's why I think they're crap, you know, and I think we need to do that more to start citing our sources because people are just doing things because somebody said it and like, well, wait, where did they get their information from? I think we would save ourselves a lot of headaches sometimes if we pushed back just a little bit to go, where are you getting that information from? So. Yeah, but I, would, I just say I get it from Dave Jackson <laughs> and that's fine. That's that's a good enough source for me. <laughs> and people laugh and go, who? Exactly. The Dave Jackson, do you <laughs> not know? <laughs> Have you gotten the thedavejackson.com yet? <laughs> uh, I probably will after this. Uh, I think I actually do when I think about it. <laughs> um, well, how long does it take you to put together an episode? So for me, as I said, it takes two to three hours to research, do the research and kind of write it out. And I already have this, the format in my head of how I do the episodes. And as I'm doing the research, I'll realize, you know, this would work better chronologically, or this will work better if I talk about this piece first, and then, you know, another piece that might not be in the same order. And I can usually record in 15 minutes, you know, for a 10 minute podcast. And it's mostly me tripping over my own tongue and mm. Also, when I'm writing, I write how I speak. Yay. That was going to be yeah. one of the things I wanted to pull out of you. Very good. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have to. Yeah. That's, the, that's how you know when people are reading from Wikipedia. That's another big pet peeve <laughs> is I'm like, oh, this is this according to you know, parentheses one. And I'm like, oh, are you really reading it verbatim? Come on. <laughs> so <laughs> It's one of those things where I know you're reading, but it doesn't sound, it sounds, it's like one step above the news. Like you're real yeah. close to it sound like you're just talking to me, but I know you're reading because you're just perfect. You know what I mean? I, it's like, you're, <laughs> oh yeah, no, 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 I know. <laughs> so, there's no ums. Yeah. There's no, I'm not really looking for words like I am now where I'm off the cuff and I'm like, oh, I know so many words. I know all the good words. <laughs> but then, you know, if I get on a microphone, I'm like, oh, words are hard. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you cringe when you go back to the very first classy little podcast episode? I, I don't even acknowledge it. I don't like it's in my it's in a folder inside a folder inside a folder. I just I don't want to touch it. It still gets downloads, which I'm like, oh, I just I kind of want to take it down because at the time we were recording with rock band mics. Nice. Uh, there was reverb like crazy. We were so quiet. We had no idea what we were doing. And and I tried to come off at first as this expert on all things wine and cheese when it's like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes I just like boxed wine and cheese. It's clearly I'm an expert on what I'm talking about. And it's just, <laughs> oh, it's cringeworthy. How have you stopped? Cause you obviously listen to a lot of podcasts. You've, you've now created your, your second one, but you only have one going. How close have you come to starting a second one? <laughs> You're good. I, I'm thinking I'm like, just has he looked at my Libsyn account? Does he know that I have one in the works? Do you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bought the domain. I got the artwork for okay. it, you know, but it's actually more um, going to be based on this diet that I've been doing for a while. And I did it a while back. And then um, now that I'm pregnant, I'm doing it again. And it's just, it's helped me so immensely. And I'm just writing down you know, this is my goal for today. This is my big win for the day. This is what I did. And I'm like, you know, 
I'm going to kick myself, but I want to make a podcast about this because that's just what podcasters do. We need that outlet for all of our crazy thoughts in our head. As soon as you start one. That's funny because I had no idea that was the case. I just thought (laughs) you are, you're a prime candidate to start number two. Well, the other thing I wanted to ask about is you've done a podcast now with a co-host and one solo. Most people that start co-host can't go solo because they just feel weird talking to themselves in a room. How did you get over that? I have cats, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well, plus you're writing out your words. That might make it a little easier. Yeah. That, that was the only way I knew I was going to be able to do a solo podcast. And I had uh, podcasting friends who, you know, I was so against getting back behind the mic because the wounds were still fresh. And I was like, this just reminds me of my old podcast. And I mean, honestly, I can't even listen to my old podcast without thinking about, you know, oh, that was so much fun. I'm so sad. But I had friends who were like, we missed your podcast. I had one podcaster friend doing a countdown on Twitter of 56 days since the last classy little podcast. (laughs) I'm like, come on, you got to stop. Like you're making me feel so guilty. And uh, so when I got the idea for the new one, I was like, I, you know, I can do this. And it took me a while to kind of tweak that to be like, I'm talking and I want to make it so that I'm not talking down to people or talking at people. But so it's almost like I picture them in their cars, listening to me, maybe having a conversation with the dashboard or maybe saying, oh my gosh, I can't wait to tell somebody at work this. Cause that's how I am with new facts. I'm like, oh, I found out a new fact today. I, I can't wait to tell somebody. Well, now that you've, you've, You've had Classic Little Podcast. You've got the Story Behind Podcast, which is at thestorybehindpodcast.com. Um, and now you're going to be launching a new one. Advice for somebody who's thinking of starting that you've learned now with through two and a half podcasts. When you go to launch a podcast, what would be your advice? Oh, there's so much. It's like, I don't know. I binge listen to Dave Jackson and Podcasters Roundtable and the Audacity to Podcast because that's, I mean, I would sit there at work when I first started podcasting, taking notes, pretending to work, but really listening to podcasts (laughs) and taking notes saying, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And just realize there is a big learning curve. But once you get over it, it, it becomes automatic. It becomes so easy to just write out what you're going to say, write out show notes, record, edit. It becomes like clockwork. It does take time. You have to be able to put that time in. And that's also why I did a shorter show because I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm pregnant. Mm. I'm not going to have that time. I'm I'm going to want something that's like maybe two, three hours out of my day. Well, the other thing I want to ask about is you're actually using the Libsyn podcast page as your, your main page. I love it. I love it so much. You guys made it so pretty. I was going to ask you, have you ever, because it is, it's it's a basic website. It looks much prettier now that we've updated. Has there, Have there been things where you're like, mm, I wish it would do this? Well, I had Squarespace with my first podcast. Mm-hmm. And I liked the 301 redirects. That's mm. what I, I love. I kind of miss that. You can kind of do it in Libsyn if you title your show correctly, like you can go to the story behind podcast.com slash about and you know, it'll take you to the about page. I think that's one of the new features, which is cool. But I I remember being able to have classy little podcast.com slash iTunes, and it would redirect to my iTunes page. So that was cool to be able to tell people. But honestly, 
I, as a hobby podcaster, I didn't see much traffic on my website anyway, even for those 301 redirects. You know, if people listen to podcasts, they know how to find my podcast in iTunes. They know how to find it in Stitcher, Google Play, but it was, it was kind of fun to have. The other thing I wanted to talk about is you are involved with Pottern, hashtag Pottern Family. Yeah. What's, is there, is this something that, because I went over and I, I'm now following that hashtag. Is there, is, do you have to like go through a, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, a screening process. Yes. Do you, do you have to go through and fill out an application to be part of the Pottern Family? No, anybody, anybody. I mean, if NPR wanted to hashtag Pottern fa- Family to get, people interested or to get some retweets fine you know nobody is around nobody's saying, policing the Potter family no. hashtag wait a minute you're from well, the radio <laughs> exactly the the problem came uh, with that was all of a sudden when it was just 30 people maybe a year or two ago when it started i think it was yeah it was a little bit more than a year ago it was great you know it was just 30 people and then it grew, which was, it, you know, that's what you want from a hashtag or right. any sort of movement. But the problem is now when you look it up, if you're looking at the feed, everything is hashtag with Potter and Family, not just new episodes, but old episodes. So what's cool is a lot of them ended up uh, splitting up into kind of sub genres. So you'll see hashtag Potter and Family, hashtag Movie Pod Squad. And if you look at those, those are all the podcasts about movies that talk about movies. And, you know, I'm part of one that's hashtag humanities podcast where we talk about art and history. And so that's really cool. And I think, you know, the geek culture, comic book culture, they have their own hashtag and you end up finding other podcasters. So they're in your niche. So you could also talk to them. But there's also the ability to have crossovers, which People have found incredible when people cross over to different shows and it introduces their audience to a new show. And, you know, so that's been a really cool thing that's been happening with Potter and Family. Well, one of the things that comes up again in journalism is interviews. When you're interviewing somebody, any tips on that in terms of, uh, like for me, I know that there's many schools of thought on that. Some people you know, you have to give them the questions ahead of time, but then you're worried that they're going to come up with a canned response. The other one is I'm not going to give them any questions and I'm going to see how good they are at improv. You know, what's uh, any tips from journalism school on how to do an interview? So in journalism, we call the people that we interview sources. And when you're working for a newspaper or a magazine or a radio station, you're up against a deadline. And that's the biggest hurdle that journalists have to face is you end up having to use sources. They might not be the best source for that story, but because they they were the ones who called you back, you kind of have to use them. But in podcasting, it's a little different. If you're doing a research intense show like Dan Carlin, you don't have to put out an episode until you're completely done with it. And it's exactly what you want it to be. Uh, it's different if you're paid to podcast and you have that sort of deadline. But... One great source for journalists and podcasters is a site called Help a Reporter Out, and it's helpareporter.com. And there's a spot if you're looking for someone to interview, you can put in your information and the subject you want to talk about. Or if you want to be a source for someone, this is really good for people in PR if they want to do a tour of different podcasts or if they want to be interviewed for an article as an expert on that subject. 
Just wanted to jump in here again. I'll have links to this out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 556, but you can also find a lot of resources along with Helper Reporter out at podcastingresources.com. And if there's a show that involves kind of investigative journalism and talking to sources, you need to know who those sources are before you even write that initial email or make a cold call to them. And, you know, not to bring up cereal, but I'm bringing up cereal. Sarah Koenig, she took the time to get to know Adnan and his family and those who could help tell the story. She didn't just cold call this guy in jail and say, hey, you know, your mom wanted me to find out about you. So what's up? (laughs) You know, (laughs) but so you want to have that good communication with your guests. You know, you want to warm them up like, you know, when you're interviewing somebody, you call them up on Skype. You don't just say, "Okay," and we're recording now. You kind of want to warm them up, get them comfortable, schedule the interview with some cushion room to get to know them. Um, When you're sending out that initial email, let them know what to expect in that. Uh, In journalism, it's unethical to provide questions ahead of time. But with a podcast, you're not, you don't really have to hold yourself to those standards if you want to make your guest as comfortable as they need to be to talk to you. You don't just want yes or no answers. If they're more comfortable with the questions ahead of time so they can prepare and maybe get more information to your show, I mean, that's ideal, right? Absolutely. Well, can we can we peel back the curtain? Yeah. Like, what did I do for, for this interview? Did you kind of know where we were going? You kind of gave me an idea. You wanted journalism 101, and I you know, had to go back, and I was like, oh, yeah, the inverted pyramid. I remember learning about that. That'd be really cool for podcasters. In my head, I made up bullet points of, you know, I, I want to talk about this because, oh, that's the other thing is I, I can't speak for every guest, but I know with me, when I hear myself on a podcast and I, I've already, I already knew the questions they were going to ask and I knew how I answered it, I always think, oh, I should have said this. I completely forgot to say that. I want to go back and like re-record it and send it to them and say, you know, can you throw this in and make me sound really smart? So <laughs> if I have any sort of idea about what um, What's the person coming. wants, yeah. yeah, then I can make sure to have the sources ready for them. Yeah, because otherwise, if they don't know what's coming, it really is a lesson in improv. And I've seen Second City a couple times in Chicago. I've seen some local groups here in Cleveland. And improv is either hit or miss. And many, many times it is, wow, is that a miss? That is so not funny or whatever it's supposed to be. So, you know, some people, if they're authors or speakers or whatever, they're they're used to presenting things that they've thought out well in advance, not so much off the top of their head. So that might not be the best. Uh, I get the idea that you don't want canned responses, but on the other hand, I don't know if I had to take a choice of canned responses versus bad improv, <laughs> I think I'd, I'd pass. <laughs> when you look at newspapers and news stories, most likely they're interviewing people whose job it is to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. They have been hired because they can be asked the fastball questions and be able to spin it in a way that makes them or whoever they're representing look the best. Whereas an author probably will just sit there and, you know, they're not, if they're hit with a tough question, they're not going to know what to say other than, well, uh, um, uh, well, (laughs) (laughs) and it's not going to be a good podcast to listen to. It's not going to be good for your listeners. It's not going to be good for them. They're not going to want to share that. I'd rather listen to an interview where I can tell both sides are comfortable and it sounds more like a conversation rather than 
question, answer, question, answer. Right. The interrogation. Yeah. An author is probably thinking, okay, how do I answer this? And number two, how do I answer this without getting in trouble with my publisher and, you know, my publicist, if they have one and things like that. So they're, they've got a lot of things going on in their, their head. That's probably making them freak out when you, when you throw them the hardball. If they ask you, can I hear this before you publish it and you're comfortable doing it? That's fine. There's no law saying, well, I can't, you know, if you're not comfortable, don't do it. Say, you know what? That's not how I do. But you can ask at the end of an interview, all right, is there anything you shouldn't have said? And again, the professionals who are used to being in front of a camera or being interviewed, they know right away what they can and can't say off the record. So they'll tell a journalist flat out, this is off the record. And as a journalist, you're supposed to adhere to that. But if you're doing a podcast and someone tells you after, oh, you know what? That's off the record. I mean, don't don't be a jerk and say, no, it's not. I have it recorded. Like, Too late now. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to do that. Yeah. One other thing about interviews, especially if you're doing investigative journalism and you want to cold call a source, know the laws in your state mm. about recording people. In Connecticut, where I live, all parties have to know that they are being recorded. It can't. In some states, it's just one party. Uh, sometimes, especially with stories, I know for me, I always go, my, my spider senses are tingling. When I talk about something, I'm like, mm, not sure if I should, how I should talk about this, or it might be a sensitive topic, a topic or things like that. Any tips on how do you talk about things that are, you know, maybe kind of sensitive in nature? Well, it's funny because now there's such a popularity of true crime podcasts out there. And for me, you know, working in the newspaper, all of those are sensitive topics. I mean, <laughs> putting together a newspaper article about the Sandy Hook tragedy that happened in Connecticut, you know, that was, it was tough for me. There's no way to not have a heart. So I'm part of a Facebook group called Podcasts We Listen To. And these are fans of podcasts, not necessarily podcasters. So it's a really good place for podcasters to go and see what people like about certain shows. And their big thing is true crime shows. They love their true crime. And some of the posts, though, about the popular crime shows, you're starting to see the audience and the people who love them realizing that monetizing and sensationalizing these true crime stories has become more of a goal for these podcasters. Instead of talking about the true crime in the interest of forensics or psychology, I mean, they were talking about one show trivializing mental disease and throwing in kind of tasteless jokes and commentary. And the audience, they're like, you know, we used to love this, but stop comparing these this murderer to your ex-wife to try and make a cheap joke about it. And I think I sent you an email about another true crime show starting to put back episodes behind a paywall. Mm. And the audience is mad. They're like, you know... We really like your show. We'd love to support you, but I don't know. We don't want to. Yeah. We don't want to do it if it means paying for it in a way where you're sensationalizing it so that we want it. But that being said, so remember that you're doing stories like this and there are real people that you're talking about. There are real victims, real family members, real family members who are still alive. And it's not the time not the time to lighten the mood with jokes or try to tell those stories in a comical light. And and I mean, 
it's tough in journalism to report on those facts. There's a weird dichotomy of having to report on those things and also stuff that makes your stomach turn. But knowing that that's why people are coming to you for the news. And when I was a layout and copy editor, when the Sandy Hook shooting happened, that was a big thing because I'm right in Connecticut. And we had people calling up the paper, buying ads like crazy because they knew that we were going to cover it and that people were going to buy the paper. And meanwhile, you know, it kind of makes your stomach turn thinking these people are hearing about this tragedy and seeing dollar signs. So that's just something to kind of keep in mind with your podcast. And a lot of true crime shows are probably popping up because people are like, oh, I love these true crimes. This is great. This is an easy thing. I'll just go to the Wikipedia page and read about Jack the Ripper and I'll I'll be all set. Well, you you talked about, you know, working in a newspaper. Any other kind of things that uh might pertain to podcasting from the the journalism magazine newspaper industry? Even if listeners aren't really into journalism, there's one aspect that applies to every podcaster out there even if they don't want to admit it. And that's stats. And right now, I bet a bunch of people's ears perked up. Let me grab my pen. Hold on. <laughs> well, one of my publishers told me a story once from a publication that he used to work at where they came up with a scheme to get more advertisers. Instead of driving up the price of subscriptions or the cover price to make sure to make more money, they decided to print more newspapers instead. So they could go to advertisers and say, you know, we're printing... 30,000 newspapers every week. You could be seen by 30,000 people or whatever the number was. And advertisers love this. They bought more ad space. The paper was able to increase the price for ads too. And this was right around the time when ads started to become the main source of revenue for print publications, not subscriptions. And that's still going on today. If you're looking at a newspaper and you're buying it, your 25 cents or 50 cents really doesn't mean as much as those ads that are in the paper, unfortunately. So interesting because they weren't technically lying. Right. They weren't technically lying. They were printing 30,000 newspapers and they began profiting off this extra ad revenue and readers weren't paying more. So everything was great. But after a while, the advertisers realized that they weren't seeing the sort of ROI that they were expecting from 30,000 more people seeing their ads. And then readers of the paper were getting annoyed at all these ads that were now in their paper. And when ads take up space in the newspaper, guess what gets cut? Right. The actual stories. So they're not getting the stories that they want from this paper. So what ended up happening, even though the newspaper was printing these 30,000 papers a week, they were burning the majority of them. Actually burning and because of that little lie, they ended up imploding because the advertisers were pulling out because they weren't seeing any profit from it. The readers and subscriptions were dropping because they didn't want to pay for a subscription of all ads. Nice. So, you know, you can relate that to journalism by saying if you're stacking your numbers and telling these advertisers or potential advertisers, oh, yeah, look at my stats. I'm in new and noteworthy. And yeah. all of a sudden, your podcast becomes a bunch of ads. Your listeners aren't going to be there for very long. So, yeah, too many ads will uh, will kill your format. So, well, Emily, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Everybody go over, check out her show. It's Here's the cool thing, because your episodes are like 10 minutes or less in many cases. If you don't like her show, which you will, 
you've only lost 10 minutes as opposed to, you know, if you go listen to some podcast and it's an hour and a half, that's an hour and a half. You can't get back with Emily. You've only burned 10 minutes. And I, I, can I be honest here? I didn't think I was going to like your show. I'm just not a trivia guy. I'm yeah. Like, Cause to me, it's like, who cares like where Dr. Pepper came from? Um, <laughs> And I found out that uh, the treadmill was at one point a, uh, a, a, torture, puni- device. a torture device, and I'm like, <laughs> it kind of still is. So they're really cool. I was I really didn't think I was going to like it, uh, but I like you. And I was like, all right, I'm going to give Emily a shot. And I and and as I say, right, I listened to a couple episodes, and then what did I do? I went back and started just handpicking through your back catalog, which is what yeah. people do. So you'll see a you'll see a bump here, you know, from <laughs> from from me. So I, uh, I ooh, and on the weekend, that's even better. But, I love bumps on the weekends. <laughs> so, and there she goes, the one and only Emily Prokop. Find her at thestorybehindpodcast.com. couple quick things as we head out the door. Number one, Emily mentioned the importance of headlines. I have a free resource for you. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash headlines, I've got a resource. Many of them are free. There are a couple there that are paid, but if you really want to learn how to make great headlines, they will really, they will boost your numbers. I'm not lying. Trust me on this one. Check it out. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash headlines. Don't forget also, if you want to be involved in this month's interactive episode please get in your what do you like about the show what do you wish i would change get those in by march 24th be sure to tag those with the number 559 because that will be the episode for that and if you're ready to start a podcast but not only just start podcasting start doing it right please visit me at schoolofpodcasting.com use the coupon code listener when you sign up and you will save either on a single course or a monthly or yearly membership. I look forward to working with you. Thanks so much for tuning in again. Until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless.